Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 4, Episode 1, titled, After All These Years. We're here. We made it. Final season. The beginning of the end. Of Legend of Korra. 13 more episodes and that's all over. It's just race to the finish from here on out. And this is a pretty damn good way to start that finish off. This is a great episode. I mean, look, it's very much place setting. This episode purely exists sort of so we can get our feet after that three-year time jump, sort of get our footing in what's happening, what's changed, how this world has evolved in the span of three years. And there's not a whole lot of plot, but it's very good place setting. And there is some truly remarkable stuff going on in this episode. Uh, And it really lay some very interesting groundwork for what this final season is going to be. Uh, I like how they started off, where instead of the typical previously on, they have the narrator dude narrating this, like, Republic City tourism video. And through that, you sort of organically see where we are now. You organically see, like, Spirit Wilds are a thing now... Uh, the Air Nation is a thing now. Uh, there's a, there's a Korra statue, and Korra's still gone. Korra's still not anywhere to be found after her poisoning. And Prince Wu is about to be... I, I can't remember if that's in the tourism video or not, but, like, very soon after that, if it's not in it, uh, Prince Wu is about to be coronated King of the Earth Kingdom... Uh, so they sort of, they sort of tell us everything we need to know very, very quickly. All the basics very, very quickly in a very clever way. And actually, <laughs> as long as we're mentioning, mentioning, pr- pr- I'm having a stroke. As long as we're mentioning Prince Wu, I should talk about this whole plot line with Mako having to be Prince Wu's bodyguard. So, Mako's running around with Prince Wu, who is an absolute dick. Who is just the biggest asshole on the planet. And is insufferable. Uh, Just running around with Prince Wu. 
uh, as he's hitting on Asami very creepily, uh, as he's getting a spa day, <laughs> and as he's going to all these events. At one point, he gets pies thrown at him, and Prince Wu makes a big deal about it. Oh, I'm gonna die. Oh, I could have died. I don't know what I'd do without you. And meanwhile, throughout this entire thing, Mako's like, okay, I just have to get to the coronation, and then I'll be a detective again. I just have to get to the coronation, and then I'll be a detective again. And then Beifong's like, um... Yeah, you're not going to be a detective again. Wu wants you to be his bodyguard full-time. Sorry. So Mako's now in this, like, hell. Where he has to deal with this freaking man-child. Who is now, in merely a few days, supposed to be taking control of the Earth Kingdom. That's not terrifying at all. Uh, but it is a very amusing plotline. But really, like, the star of this episode is this plotline, this very first plotline with Kuvira. And this one town. And by the way, I love how they immediately show off Kuvira as this very formidable foe. Right out of the gate. Where Kuvira is like staring at this map of like 90% of the Earth Kingdom reunified. And she's like, I don't care about 90%. I want all the states reunified. And then they stop because rocks are on the track. And bandits. And Kuvira's like, I'll deal with them myself. And then kicks their asses. Brutally, we have this amazing, amazing action sequence where Kuvira is just laying into these bandits in such a magnificent way. And then Kuvira just does this whole scare tactic where she basically fuses their hands to the track. Basically ties their hands to the track with metal bending. And it's like, hey, so you can join me, pledge your loyalty to me, or I could just leave you here and you can wait until the next train arrives. Your choice. And of course they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll pledge loyalty to you. Please don't kill us. Like, immediately, immediately you know everything you need to know about this woman. She is cunning and badass and freaking brutal. And terrifying as well. Like, really, genuinely terrifying. This is a brilliant... I mean, technically it's not an introduction, because we saw her uh, for a brief moment back in Season 3. But, let's just say... For the sake of discussion, this is her introduction. This is an amazing introduction. It really, really is. Meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, there's this one town that's being played by bandits, and Opal and Kai come in as representatives of the Air Nation to help. 
By the way, I love how the Air Nation now wears these, like, flying squirrel suits. It's really cool. It's really awesome. I love it. But, uh, Kai and Opal come in and are like, yeah, sorry, we're all you have. The Air Nation's spread very thin right now. So, uh, we're all you got. And then immediately Kuvira shows up. Bolin and Opal have this nice little reunion for like five seconds. And then she sees Kuvira and all hell breaks loose. Because apparently, uh, Opal and Kuvira have some bad blood there. Apparently, uh, Kuvira is engaged to one of Suyin's sons. And that son kind of got off, uh, kind of got away from Suyin uh, in a bad way. <laughs> kind of had a bit of a, bit of a bad thing happening with Suyin. Bit of, uh, bit of a disagreement. That's all the information we have right now, but, um, yeah, that's a whole thing. So... Opal is, like, really distrusting of Kufira, for very good reason, given what we just saw. And it would appear that, uh, we have good reason <laughs> to be suspicious of Kufira, given what happens immediately at this meeting with this, with this state's governor. Where Kuvira basically is just using scare tactics to get him to sign this contract, basically sign his state away to her. And this dude calls Kuvira out on her bullshit, like, so brilliantly. Like, he's basically just like, yeah, you conquer, uh, you conquer states and say you're saving them. I know how you manipulate villages to join you, and I know that the only reason you want this is because it's rich in ore. So, uh, screw you, I'm not signing this. And Kavira is just like, hey, asshole, you can either get overrun by bandits or you can sign this. Your choice. And Kavira just flat out leaves. See, see, we'll help you, we'll restore peace, but only if you sign away your souls. So, Opal and Kai kind of come up with this idea to just get supplies from surrounding villages and fly them in. Because the roads are blocked, but the skies aren't. So they do this, and then immediately get jumped by bandits, and we have this awesome aerial battle sequence. It's so, so good. I love everything about it. And... The supplies get stolen... And now this village is screwed, and what is this governor now forced to do now that the Air Nation has failed? He signs the contract, and you kind of get this sense while he's signing it that it's just like, he knows he's effing up. He knows he's just selling away his soul. He knows that he is just destroying everything by doing this. But he has no other choice. Because things are just that bad. So then you get this like. Literal occupation. 
of this Earth Kingdom state by Kuvira's troops. Sort of disguised as a relief mission. And you got food being passed out. You got supplies being passed out. And Kavira's like, this state is now under the protection of my army. Now you, governor, pledge your loyalty to me if you want to keep your position. And this dude, who, by the way, is just MVP of this episode. This dude just bows and is like, I pledge my loyalty to you, Kuvira. And he says it in, like, the most venomous way possible. And you can see in his eyes, like, as he's saying it, he's just like, screw you, you bitch. Like, he is just, he could not be less sincere in how he's saying this. And it's awesome. That dude is badass. That dude is MVP of this episode of Legend of Korra. Uh, But then, we have all that. We have the woo stuff. We get our ending. Where, throughout this entire episode, it was said, Korra's coming, Korra's coming, Korra's coming, Korra's coming. And then this Southern Water Tribe ship arrives. And Tenzin goes to greet Tonrock and is like, Hey, I'm so happy to see you again. And I'm so happy to see Korra again. Where's Korra? And Tonrock's like, wait a minute. I thought she was here. She she left six months ago and said she was going to Republic City and wrote notes back, wrote letters back saying she was going to be in Republic City. Why? Why is she not? And Tenzin's like, yeah, I, I can assure you, your daughter's not here. Well, then, where is she? And then we kept to Korra fighting in this, like, earth-bending cage match. Fighting in this earth-bending pit fight. And getting her ass kicked. Very brutally, because clearly she's not gotten her crap together. Clearly she has not gotten on her feet again. And then the fight clears out. Korra's just sitting in the stands. And the dude running the fight's like, Here, for your lackluster performance. Like a small wad of money. And the dude's like, Hey, don't you look familiar? I know, you look like that Avatar girl. And Korra's like, I get that a lot. And she just starts to walk away. And we get this brilliant final exchange of dialogue. Hey, whatever happened to her? I wouldn't know. And then it ends! On like the most heartbreaking note. Three years and Korra has like just not gotten past this crippling depression. Ugh! That, that is the biggest wound. That is just the biggest... I don't, I don't even know what to call it. That's just a gut punch. To know that three years have gone by and she has not gotten any better and is now resorted to just going underground, changing her appearance even, and fighting in pit matches instead of being the Avatar. Because she suffered such a... such a profound emotional wound. At the hands of Zaheer. God, it's insane. God, it's just... 
Holy crap. Uh, so, yeah. That's that episode. What a nice, happy way to start off this final season. <laughs> With the conquering of villages and our hero being in a deep, dark, depressed state three years later. Yay! <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this final season more. There's some great stuff that happens here. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simplest just to push up a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there, or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 4, Episode 2. Talk to you then.